Hail, welcome to Odin's Alchemy. Today we have the great pleasure of introducing a, a guy that uh, uh, actually, for a couple years now, everybody's been listening to me and, and I talk about permaculture uh, fairly regularly. It's one of my big things. And uh, when my kids were uh, in high school age, uh, I ordered a couple courses called Permaculture 1 and Permaculture 2, uh, Permaculture Student. And uh, that was part of my children's high school curriculum and part of where I learned a lot of the things that I learned. And Matt didn't know this up until this very moment. Um, and so I've always wanted to have Matt on. And a lot of what I talk about with soil biology, uh, he's the one who started me out on that with his uh, having Elaine Ingram put into her uh, into his courses. And he's really taken up the, the the baton with that one. And I'm so, so damn excited to have you on, brother. Uh, I can't appreciate it enough. Uh, everybody, welcome Matt Powers. Thank you so much for having me. I totally didn't know. That's amazing. You bet. You betcha. I oh. think I was actually probably one of your first customers. Wow. Well, it's been it's been almost eight years now. So how old are your kids now? Uh, they're, they're all adults now. They're all, they're all grown. Um, I think they were 12 at, yeah, about, yeah, about 12 at the time. So they're all adults now and, uh, out the ones an electrician, um, we, you know, and we, part of their curriculum was planting the garden and setting it up. And it, it was so cool. You know, the fun, funny story, uh, because your name sounds like, you know, Matt powers, it kind of sounds and my kids, the way they would talk about you when they would go over to other places. So it sounded like they were talking about a superhero and it was hilarious because people would just look at them all confused, you know, because it kind of sounds like a superhero name. And, you know, it's, it, no, the, the permaculture teacher. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, well, I'm so honored. Thank you so much for sharing that. And that's you know that's how I raised my kids too. You know, had them in the garden, had them growing, saving seed, working with animals. I think there's something so special about having animals. Um, I yes. think that like plants are teachers, fungi is a serious teacher, soil is a teacher, but animals are just so like right here, right now. You know, it's like I was just with a rooster. And I'm like bending over to grab something. And I'm like keeping my eye because, you know, he's a young rooster. He's going to try to define his boundaries. And I know roosters, you know what I mean? So I'm like yeah. watching him. I'm like, <laughs> but right. it's like, you know, it's these are teachers. There are times in life where you got to be sharp, you know? And absolutely. Yeah. And to, for kids, I mean, those lessons are so valuable. <clears throat> they really are. I got, uh, I got gr the grandkids coming around doing stuff now. Um, they didn't, uh, we didn't get to plant last year because I just bought a new property. Uh, a couple of years ago, I sold my property up in Reading, which mm -hmm. is where, and, and this, this was amazing. So we, you know, we followed uh, the permaculture systems and uh, what I use is I've got alpaca. So mm -hmm. we use a, uh, base of alpaca manure for all of our growth and everything. Um, and uh, up on the mountain there, and this is over in Redding, California, and mm -hmm. which is a high desert, you know, no, mm -hmm. nothing either, either uh, it's wet and cold or else it's, you know, the sun's cooked and there's only like a couple week period in between. Um, 
and my neighbors were coming up and they're like, how do you have so many melons and so many squash and it's not even time yet. And yeah, just loving it. Absolutely. Yeah. Alpaca go in one spot, right? They always go in the same yeah. spot. Yeah. Communal. Yeah. They call it a communal shitter. It's so nice. You just go up, scoop up a shovel full. What I like to do is I, I get a cement mixer and I put it in there and start and, and throw in the alpaca and then a little bit of uh, chicken. And uh, then I'll start putting in like my humic acid and my bacteria and letting that bacteria populate. And then I go top feed all of that uh, throughout most of the year. That's fascinating. So what's growing? What, 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 are your, what were the alpaca eating? Like what was their main plants? Uh, they eat any the any of the leafy things. Alpacas yeah. are real interesting. This is part of why they don't uh, have a hot manure. So like if you go if you watch goats or a cow, like cow just rips something right up out the ground. They're eating the they're tearing up the root, the whole nine, and just munch it. Um, alpacas don't have top teeth. And their bottom teeth aren't really very chewy like what you would think. They've got a hard plate up top, and then their lips are split. And they, they can even do this thing with their lips, like where they do like this. It looks like a severe cleft lip. And uh, they will go up, and they'll just grab the, the blade of the grass and just rip it and just gently take the blade off or just the leaves. So mm -hmm. they aren't getting the stalk of the plant. They aren't getting the root of the plant. They're just literally getting the very fruity parts of it. And so their manure is, is more potassium heavy. It's not real nitrogen heavy. And uh, it doesn't uh, burn the plant. You can direct, you can literally put uh, direct right out the alpaca on top of your plant and it won't burn your plant. Bunny manure can be like that too. Yep. You yep. know, I got a DNA sequencer this past year, and I realized now that, that yeah, yeah, I'm so it's it's unbelievable. I want to start I want to start DNA sequencing manures, so we know which microbe groups are predominant in each manure type. So when we're planting which compost and which manures, we actually can have some more. Um, just some more information on what we should actually choose because like <clears throat> the reason I ask is because like uh, if there's, if they're leguminous plants, if they're nitrogen fixing plants, like, like uh, clover or something like that. Then, no, they don't eat clover. Yeah. To, to uh, the high protein, they get bloat real easy. Uh, so, so maybe yeah. they're low in rhizobia. So I would like to see, because rhizobia is in is in ruminants that are eating uh, in the ruminant digestion that are eating the leguminous plants, because it's in you can take it through a hot compost and rhizobia doesn't leave the whole time, and so you can it's it, it, it's wild and so that means it's in the, the ruminants. It can take the heat in a hot compost. It can. It can. Wow. So when you when you start a compost pile, it's all the the microbes that were on and inside the plant. So they're all endophytes, and then certain endophytes stay, and they're primary decomposers. And so like wow. mapping that out, and then figuring out like which substrates, which manures 
have uh, the, the right ratios that match the ratios of what native soils are or what the goal of your soil is, that's what we're going to be doing with the our soil database. We're going to be able to see those kinds of things and share in a transparent way so that everyone, we can map these things and buy regionally. We can, uh, we can change everything fast. fast. <laughs> and, and, and it's amazing actually, because I was actually having this uh, similar conversation the other day with uh, Cheney from Project Cheney, where uh, she was talking about where we used to ourselves, where we were eating off of our own land. And mm. myself, I work off the assumption, I'm a vegetarian. And mm. I work off the assumption that even though it, we some people might have uh, ate some meat, I think we were primary vegetarians, unless it was a very nomadic people, which we have understandings of the nomadic people that were following around meat sources. I think other than that, you're primarily a veg we were primarily vegetarians. And when we used to uh, go to the bathroom on our own land. Now, have you have you uh, heard or seen some of the studies where they talk about where you put the seed in your mouth before you plant it? And it helps tie that seed to your DNA. And the seed will actually produce things differently, a little bit differently, according to your biology. And so you carry that over to when we used to just go out in an outhouse or something like that. Our actual uh, our actual waste was in the soil and was part of it. How much then would that have carried over into the garden and how much of that would have then affected the plant life and how it interacted with you as a person? So pro EM is for digestion and these are all endophytes. So these are in healthy plants and they're in healthy decomposition. So the best compost have this in it and they're, they can be found um, in the soil and in good digestion. So it's lactobacillus plantarum, casei, bulgucaris, fermentum, saccharomyces cerevisiae, that's beer yeast, rhodocytomonas palustris. That's the purple non-sulfur bacteria. So, this is this is organic. It's CCOF. Um, I'll put some in my drink right now. I've looked at it. It's no microbes. Microbes, microbes. So no. that now is carrying those into my digestion, right? Now they're not going to go away because these are ones that are common through the whole cycle of the body through the whole cycle of, 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 of compost and through the plants, a healthy life of a plant. The beer yeast eats sugar. Plants create sugars with photosynthesis on days when they get tons of sun and they weren't expecting it to be so intense and they've got a lot of sugars flowing around. These actually help sop up the sugar so that it doesn't go into stress. They're immunologically triggering too so the plant is on a mutological guard and then there's um that purple non-sulfur bacteria and <clears throat> lactobacillus lactobacillus is going to actually turn the nitrogen the nitrogen that's free freely in there and that's not processed into amino acids just like it does when we make an em uh, extension um, and we put manures into our em this digests it 
just like lab does when you do a rice wash water or something too. Propanol sulfur bacteria like is the mediator between microbes and is an equilibrium. Uh, it establishes an equilibrium because it can feed in four different ways. It can feed on light, it can feed on air, like oxygen and CO2, and it can feed on sugars and, and, and plant um, residues. So it's keeping, it, no matter what, it's gonna, it's gonna stick around. One of the things that's hard about uh, Rhodocytomonas palustris is that it's seven to 20 times smaller than yeast. So a lot of people can't see it. Um, or when they do see it, it doesn't form the patterns of the three images that are online of it. There's only three images. Let's just be honest. Um, I've got to talk to Catherine Haywood about it. Uh, I'm going to get images from her or uh, get her to send me a sample of an isolation. So anyway, um, it's, they're, they're really hard uh, to see. Uh, and so you don't even know how important this subject is in, in in the community in general. That isolation of things and and being able to see them, that's um, it's such a, just a, a key issue for the community. And that we can do this is people are just going to be freaking right now, brother. And and, you, and and we have to do it in front of each other. That's the other thing because like someone came to me, one of my students. They have a laboratory a professional laboratory. And they were like, I need you to make sure with this next book that you're doing, Matt, that you are realistic with people. And I was like, oh, tell me more. Cause like, <laughs> I know what he's gonna say, but then it gets even crazier. So like, I'm thinking he's gonna be like, there's some inconsistencies. This is a generalization. This is a guesstimation method. And I'm like, well, bring it on. Cause that's what I, I saw initially. But they're like, they got a farmer sending two samples to two certified laboratories and then they gave completely different answers. And then they try to do a Zoom together live and they're shake testing together. They're doing the rhythm and then they're doing the plate and then they're doing their numbers and then they're different again. And they realized that even when they're doing things exactly the same, that there must be some minutia in the way, they, no the metrics with the way that they're doing it are too limited to make the assumptions they're making. We have to have a more holistic approach. We have to have more refined test methods that look to the mycology community, look to what the laboratories, the biology laboratories are doing today with their bacterial counting methods. And also, you know, embrace the future. Like one of the things I'm, I'm working on, one of the stretch goals is to create an automated counting system it's not really like an AI because it's not like learning anything. It's just an automated counter, but to make it so that our bacteria counts are no longer painful because everyone's like, ah, now I'm going to go count bacteria. And, and, and it's like, that's the hardest thing. It's tedious. And then if the fungal to bacterial ratios have no bearing over the actual health, then we need to know who bacteria and who fungi in the right ratios are the actual right ratios. Because right now you have people who are certified laboratories, have commercial tomato, referring to a specific study in Africa, they had a commercial operation, they tried to switch it over biological farming, soil, food web, everything. They were seeing that higher fungal bacterial levels, everything's right, everything looks right, was making for lower yields. And wow. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so immediately I'm like, well, you didn't DNA test. There's something going on with that. Like there's, there's going to be red flags. I know it because the thing is, the crazy thing is almost everything is 1% or less in all the stuff I do. So there's like major decomposers. There's like a top 10. And then there's all these minor constituents that are, that run the gamut. And most of them are, are, we don't even know what they do, but a ton of them are endophytes. So, so, so we can, we can map these things. We can catch these things. But again, like all testing, we got to do a lot of testing because these are pinpricks. So like someone was talking about like, is the USDA soils NRC, NRS, NRCS databases useful? And I was like, in a way they're a reference, but they're pinpricks of, of, of a landscape. And then they make a map that color. And it's like, <coughs> that doesn't work really. That's like a, it gives them confidence uh, in the wrong kind of way. You know what I mean? It creates an illusion. Right. And so I really want to break all this, like we've done this black box testing where you do a test and I do a test and they tell us 200 pounds of this and da, 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 per acre. And you're like, okay, I guess. What's the organic equivalent? You know what I mean? Like, or what's the natural farming equivalent? Like we're all trying to like figure out how to do this the right way but the testing system is so backwards and it's like rife with false positives. And in fact, if you look up the Texas A&M um, soil test results, you'll find that like the ones under Google images, all the critical levels of parts per million are like the same, no matter if it's the lawn, the orchard or the garden or farm, it's like, Y'all know we can see that you're not wearing clothes, right? <laughs> right. We're in a moment where the emperor wears no clothes. And so and so we have to do the test ourselves. I so many of the people who are are doing like soil tests are actually nurses who have microscopes and they're all into doing like blood tests on themselves and I'm like what? and they're like yeah and they, they it's so simple they sent me like what they're doing and I was like oh my word and they're like yeah and so we can when we drink fourth phase water this is what happens to our blood and it's like wait what you serious yes that people test you tests on this uh-huh oh. and within minutes their blood changes. It's like doing the Wim Hof in 20 minutes changes our blood pH, right? We have the ability with what we take in, with what we, how we breathe and like the activities we do with our body and I would say even meditation and with our minds, um, we can change the physiology and the expression of our bodies. So, so this, and, and I'm not a doctor. I'm not recommending anything. And I, have no, I have no doubt with but, the minutes thing, bro. Yeah. One second. I, you've got to hear this. I have no doubt with the minutes thing because, okay, I have an AquaCure machine. Have you ever heard of that? Um, no. The guy who talks most about uh, uh, structured water, Gerald Pollack. Uh, yeah, he I also works with. Yeah, yeah. You know, so have you heard of George Weissman? 
those two go into the conferences together and work with each other. And George Weissman's the one who showed him that this is Brown's gas and you're attaching the extra hydrogen in there, making the free height. Okay. So I have uh, a machine that some, does that. Yeah. So do, that's what the, the aqua cure is back here. Yeah. That's what the aqua cure is back here. I breathe that and drink that all the time, all the time. Um, and then I had some puppies that got parvo. And because one of the puppies was fighting with one of the upper, other puppies, so she was coming out on the road with me. And when I let her out to go potty, I think she ate a turd, uh, somebody else's poop at a, a site. Yeah, it, horrible. Because there's no dogs anywhere near us. We're like so isolated. It's I'm out. I, um, I'm out. You, you've heard of Murder Mountain, right? Uh, I, I literally clear out in the out in the hills in Northern California, out, out by Alder Point. You know, it's like. Uh, nobody's around here anymore after the after the green rush collapsed uh you know it's it's a ghost town out here there's no dogs there's no nothing so we she got it on the road anyways we didn't know they had parvo my wife went to south dakota to go deliver these puppies and some of them were here the ones that were here uh like brian his puppy that one pooped itself all night got up in the morning it had the lethargic um, you know, where it's just, you know, not doing well, um, not uh, uh, not able to really uh, move anymore. So what I did was I took and I gave it some kefir to uh, live kefir to try and coat its stomach. And then I took the aqua cure and structured some bone broth and ran the, the hydrogenator in through the bone broth, gave that to the puppies. Within 15 minutes, they were playing. They were up and playing. They went. Now, the ones my wife took, one of them passed. And that one even went to the de the vet. Yeah, so sad. It was horrible. She was such a good girl. Um, and they gave her an IV under her skin. The whole nine, nothing helped. The AquaCure, within minutes of giving her that, that structure, that Brown's gas water, these dogs were like, hey, we're cool. We're fine. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. So I had this thing from Zen Honeycut that you could put in a water bottle and you had to like cap it and it increased, I think, the hydrogen. Yep. And, yep. And I think that that is that the same modality. Uh, here, I'll show you. No, this thing is this thing is uh, amazing. And there's so many other the things. Chemical you modality. Do. Yeah. Whoa. So then, Yep, and this sets your different uh, hertz, so you can, like, I've got mine set at 432, and then you can set the amount of hydrogen you're getting from it, and then it goes through this tower that cleanses any of the lye out, because it's got lye in it to help make the hydrogen, and mm -hmm. it's, and then it's also, it's reattaching it to water, so it's making this browns gas, and then it goes through this one, and this one's a scrubber, and you drink out of this last one or you can breathe out of these. Um, and then it's also got a welder attachment because one of the other things that that hydrogen water or that hydrogen will do is you can weld at like insane low temperatures with it and just uses a straight welder. Uh, and it'll melt titanium at less heat than a built, than a big lighter throws out. Is that wild? Yeah. Yeah. So just insane, power. right? Right, yeah. right. Okay, well, you so look Michael at Whitman, Blue Sky Biochar, and Nicholas 
I think uh, they're like EA or EA Water. It's right there in a bag. Anyway, he gave me one. We're, we just moved onto this site. It's 24 acres. We moved in the middle of this this like crazy summer heat. So oh. like, yeah, yeah. So like, I'm like, it's cruel to like cut ground in the middle of like August, you know, and July. You know what I mean? Like things just dry yeah. up. Like, and then the carbon's yeah. released. Um. So so I kind of I'm like. <laughs> I've just got to like, like play. I've just got to just do superficial things and do cover crops in the areas that I establish and work with the chicken tractor system on that I'm building. But, um, and then work on this book and this database. So yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really exciting to be able to do these things at home, isn't it? To test these oh, things. Yeah. Oh because yeah. Yeah. Because all of the stuff we were taught in like the 80s and 90s, I mean, I remember being just like such like an angsty youth. I was like a punk musician, like like no wave punk, not like earlier punk. Um, right. I was just so angry at the world. And then as I became like a young adult, even as like a parent, I was like, what will the world be like? But now like I'm like, we have all the superpowers we can take care of excess carbon is the pollution that we got to face and that we can take care of too. And the re like the return of nature, which is not only going to be an incredibly empowering and, and like reverent, it's going to like unlock us as humans when we bring back nature. We're going to have yeah. like another part of our personality, another part of our hearts, another part of our minds unlocked. Um, just like how we talk about like how, you know, bringing the biology or gut brain back and everything. The plants are just getting their endophytes back after like nearly a century of being sterilized. So, and then we're eating them. Please, please elaborate on that. Please elaborate. So... So when we use synthetic nitrogen on the soil, it's a purified thing. And like, just like when you take char, you're just straight up char and combine it with the biochar, it sucks everything out and bonds to it because it's so lonely. That's what all the purified synthetic chemicals do. That's their real effect in many ways is that they go around and just rip everything apart because they're the, this this force or these ions that are just lonely and they're part of every organic, like all organic matter molecules, everything that's life is part of carbon, oxygen, hydrogen, and nitrogen. And so you separate those things out and they go to work hard. So it's pure nitrogen rips the soil organic matter apart. And if you've ever had chickens, and by actually got something on your hands from them and then rubbed your nose, you know <laughs> what a chemical burn is like. You know what a chemical burn is like because it'll rip the skin right off you. And imagine what it does to biology. It just destroys the biology. So um, I got off target. What was I saying? <laughs> we're, we're, you, were you were talking about the 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 pure nitrogen and, and the right. 
Right. And so, and so we started doing synthetic nitrogen. We killed the soil life. We killed the soil structure. It gassed off the CO2. It liquefied the soil nutrients so they could be quickly uptaken by the plant, which means for the first few years, you know, chemical ag, synthetic ag looked really great, worked really great, but it destroyed the soil structure, caused erosion, caused eutrophication in all the, the waterways. Um, but the first to go were the fungi because they were tilling and they were using these purified, they were salts, which means that when you put them in water, they disassociate. And so they were just, just constantly just ruining the habitat for the fungi. So the fungi left before we even really developed science enough to study them. So we didn't even know that they were supposed to be there. And in fact, people use antifungals on their fields uh, because they wanted to make sure no fungi was there. And they had sterile growing medium in my greenhouse. Still, still see that today. People freak out. There's fungi in my garden. Yeah. Yeah. It's alive. It's good. And <laughs> it, 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 it's supposed to be. It's actually the immune system of the planet and us and all life. And so, and so they sterilized it with pesticides. They sterilized it with their just the, the just the actual fertilizers they used. And then they eat on top of all that, use straight up fungicides. So the plants and the seeds themselves, a lot of them are grown in these sterile conditions, meaning the endophytes and the soil microbes didn't translate across seasons. And then they develop these GMO seeds that are these franken seeds that are, they develop in, in totally sterile conditions and to toxic conditions. And so it's like we've gone so far afield from that original situation that when organic began again, it took a while to crop up and to be noticed. Mm -hmm. And then the revolution began. We began to realize that there's, there's these endophytes. And then we began to realize that these endophytes are helping the plants. And then we realized that the only way that they get inside is through rhizophagy, meaning plants literally eat other they eat the microbes and the and the, the eat the other microbes not the endophytes the endophytes actually fix nitrogen inside the plants so they feed the plant internally as they help the plant balance themselves and regulate their systems of the nitrogen which makes proteins nitrogen becomes proteins right and the sugars because the sugars if they're monosaccharides they're a problem the simple sugars attract um, the sucking beetles and, and, and pests, the simple sugars uh, attract bacteria and often pathogenic bacteria. It's the polysaccharides that are the, 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 the more structured ones, the longer chains that last longer in the soil that are the medicinal compounds, that are the stabilized compounds that attract the good microbes that we want. And, and so it's, it's really, really, really incredible because the, they're teaching us through this process as they return how actually nature originally worked. Fungi and bacteria were always inside things. There's microbacteria inside the fungi. Um, even at the highest resolution under the microscope, there are tiny, tiny, tiny things that you can't, you can't figure out what they are. And even under an electron microscope, 
where they're zooming even further, there's even smaller things. And they're saying with infrared microscopes that they're seeing the heat signature before microbes appear. So what is going on? We don't know. And we're still figuring it out. And, and the door is open. There's so much for us to figure out. And there's also like, and then I say the door is open because of the opportunities there for all of us to be involved. But there are people who are like hard at work trying to figure this out. There are people with like a secret AIs that are going and sweeping through all the different published um, literate science literature out there and scraping through it, all the data but that's not public. And so I really think the only way that we're going to get honest answers, the only way that we're going to get to real, real food, safe food, honest food, the best, and also to discern just simply good, better, and best, mm-hmm. right? It's like, wait, wait mm-hmm. is Bokashi best to add after the hot compost or, or, or EM? That's kind of, they're kind of the same, but they're not the same. They're, they're, they're the microbes, but there's, huh, what would that do? I want to know. That's what they're doing at Wormies. Right. Um, Chandler was telling me about that. So, so those subtleties, the good, the better, the best, those only come out of us all as a community opening up what we're doing and sharing and then going, this is my soil. This is my bricks. This is my terpenes. This is my uh, bionutrient meter spectrometer readout. This is, and, and, and having those things, if we make these things all public, A, it's going to make us better. It's going to call out the best in us and be like, okay, all right, all right. So what did you do? All right. We, 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 I get to see your work and it's like, I, you got to tell me what you did because I got to have that color. I saw that soil or I saw that plant. And it's, it's going to give us like exponential growth. It's going to give us just like rockets in soil science, in cultivation. And what's so amazing is like the cannabis, like, like community has, has pioneered a lot of this, this, this sentiment. Tell me about it so much. Right? Like, let's make it ex- in front of everyone. What's really true. What, like it, I'm getting chills right now. I, I feel like there's there's an unspoken debt to the cannabis community that all of agriculture owes them because of their funding so much research for all of us that's proving out like living soils are amazing that's proving out all these biofertilizers oh and there's so much more to come and so i wanted to take that transparency i want to do open code i want to train our own AI to be like another member with us. Like, like, like RoboLab is another member. And we, we, when we do an entry, someone can reinterpret our interpretation and every entry, there's separate quality of the image or video and also our interpretation. So the community is self-regulating. It's not me. It's not like some top down stuff. I really want this to be complete. And, and, and if it is, truly community as it will be the open source code community folks because they are part of our communities as well are gonna be like matt you got to do this matt we got to include this new test let's include this new test and every six months or every quarter we 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 
we have an upgrade and we continuously respond and adapt like an organism and allow the design and the best practices and the cream rising to the top and like the highest rated organic matter levels, most fungal dominant levels rated for bioregion um, or global, like all those options, that's going to foment such positive change. And it's going to honor the people doing the right things. And also they can be anonymous too. That's okay. Um, But I think the compost companies, I think the local farmer's market folk, and I think the cannabis cultivators are going to want to show their work. They're going to want to see other people's work. They're going to want to know what ingredients went into that compost. How long did that compost go for? What what time of year was that? Wait, you're near a large body of water? Huh. Because every... I see purple nut silver bacteria in compost, whether it's Johnson Sioux or hot composts, in, if they're near large bodies of water. So, so I need to test Midwestern compost next um, to see if, if, if it's in there. Because if it's in there, then it's in the air everywhere. But it might, because it's a swampy, um, palustrous means swampy marshlands. Um, so the mm-hmm. purple and sulfur bacteria that everyone loves, right? That's where uh, it was originally characterized from. Um, it might be in all the water. So the fog, the sea mist, the vapor from off of water, it might be in there. But, but yeah, I haven't proven that yet. That's a suspicion. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the kind of stuff we're going to figure out. And then, um, yeah, yeah, I'm so excited about it. There's so much and it's, Mm. I mean, I have, I have people seeing things that like, and finding things that beg deep, deep questions about the way that life actually works here on earth. I mean, the fact that horizontal gene transfer has now been proven to be more fundamental than evolution, like 60% of what we touch goes is goes in right into our skin. 40% 40% of the soil is unclassified DNA. That's fragments of DNA. DNA, we spent like two full days trying to break the DNA to sequence it, William Pedia Brown and I. Think about that. Caustic chemicals, vibrating things with magnets and harsh salts and all this to break the DNA down enough to sequence it. Two days. Oof. DNA theoretically apparently can last up to millions of years. In other words, the soil out there is in large part fragments of DNA, which means that horizontal gene transfer, like when we like touch the soil and we're like, we have this, this thing happening. (laughs) Healthy soils have all these things that go into us. And and the microbes, this is why E. coli, because E. coli has millions of species that it can express to, is called a universal chassis. And it can literally take up genes from the environment and express. So in other words, when people are saying, don't make anaerobic conditions because it's disease and pathogen creating, it's because they're actually uptaking the, hor- the, the selection of those genes from the environment because they're always there. This is how in compost piles, the microbes seem to appear. They're horizontal gene transferring and expressing different species. 
And then there's an argument that they possibly, as they break down and they combine, that they can change different species, uh, different uh, families. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know about that, but that's, that's some people's theories. And I've seen it happen in the reverse. Well, I didn't personally see it. William saw it and he was explaining it to me and he was showing me his work. But William was chopping up some, uh, some fungi and it was pure culture and it read as bacteria. And so that's like, wait, 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 hold on. I've heard from experts in DNA that like the lenses in our eye are directly related to like algae in the ocean. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. It kind of makes sense. But then like when we talk about how it's like, oh, we share all this DNA. We're only 8% different from all the other life. It's like, huh. Well, if we're constantly taking in DNA from our surroundings and there's this, there's constant flux of DNA with our surroundings, we're constantly in a feedback loop with, with the DNA around us and the environment around us. And this, this, this changes everything because, because it's not just, it's, it, it, we are, well, it means a lot of things. <laughs> the thing is, the DNA sequencing opened up such a can of worms for me. I realized that everything was covered in this, 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 all this DNA, that there was a subsection of all compost that was human DNA. And it freaked me out at first. I was like, why is there human DNA in your compost, sir? It's like, it's your neighbor in here. No, um, the reality yeah. is we share that DNA. We share that DNA with everything. And we simply put the name on it as human. And it's already in everything and swimming between all of us. There's DNA that moves freely between all of us all the time. There's DNA that's, uh, that's dead fragments that our biology eats. And there's DNA that's passed through viruses. And most viruses we take on as information and, um, and healthy endophytically inoculated plants, they've shown that viruses get retasked. They get told to do something beneficial. So in other words, if you've got biology guarding you, viruses. You, you, you have no idea how much you are fucking people up right now. When they do <laughs> one of the one of the big contentious points in the community i don't know if you have uh uh ever uh looked at the terrain uh or terrain theory versus germ theory uh right. type yeah. studies I, and so yep yep so there's so there's a lot of people that are on the terrain theory that you know have there's never been an isolation of, of a virus which is mm-hmm. brings us where uh back to what you were talking about with so hard being so hard to isolate that uh, like uh, the most recently, the COVID virus has never been isolated. You can't tell it, you know, you can't prove that this is what it was um, and that this is a real problem. And then you go into the PCR test where anything over 40, 40 cycles, it starts pumping out just the same answers, no matter what you can literally find anything 
in there. Right. Right. Well, you know how that works. It's, it's very simple. It, okay. So if you've got a, a purified, like a purified sample, like one electric guitar, and you put a delay pedal on it, and you're like, bang, gung, 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 it sounds good. You're very clean and clear, right? Now, if we put a delay pedal on each tom on the drum, and the kick pedal, and the snare, and the bass player, and the singer, and the keyboard artist, it makes mud. Because it's everything's going because you turn the cycles up on it, and then you put it on everything. And that's right. what they're doing. And so PCRing was from a lab purified culture world. Not like other blood or soil. And so I knew this already because I'm like, you can't take soil and PCR it and get an honest answer because you put a delay pedal on everything and that chops up the sound and you get some cool, interesting new sounds. But that's not science. <laughs> that's you, right. you get mutations, you get aberrations. It cuts things out. It, it creates new, new things. Um, it, it, it unzips things and combines things with a filler that they, they have in their, their, and there's actually different filler bonds that they have. And they, they have different results and different levels of accuracy. Um, and, and that's why I do nanopore. And so mine actually reads it without PCRing. So mine takes the DNA and electrically like a barcode reads it as it passes through and each G E T A has an electrical signal. And so it signals it as it passes through and there's a guiding motor protein on it. Super fascinating. Nanopore is like the future of doing things, but even there you have trouble breaking fungi. Um, and so it's super, I mean, this is why we can take fungi into space and then bring it back and have it spore and grow again it doesn't care it's like the it, it's space ready the dna of fungi is ready for space for panspermia to go out if there's an ex explosion on this planet let's say it's the worst happens that comet comes it's as big as the earth it hits us it goes in all directions it's another meteor and now this new meteor chunk that once was the earth has elements of spores and, and fungi on it and DNA. It lands melted somewhat on another planet causes and somehow it lands on a planet with water. Right. And, mm. and, you know, and then, it, and then fungi begins again because it's not going to stop. It's not going to die. That's the crazy thing about all, a lot of these these tests that we see. I'm like, so you make these 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 statements like this is the way it is on these readouts without any like like apologia, like Chaucer at the beginning of Canterbury Tales being like, well, you know, twenty percent is probably a little bit off, or eight percent. You know what I mean? Like just. <laughs> Like, like, put something there so that people have their thinking cap on and don't go in like, we've arrived at the temple of awesomeness and nothing is wrong here. Because that's, it just cuts off their like ability to grow as, as thinkers. 
and for the science itself to progress. And so, so that honesty, that integrity, I really, I really, really admire that. And, and, and all my friends like in, in the West coast are, are deeply embedded in the cannabis community. Cuauhtémoc Villa, uh, Siobhan Brady, um, I, I, my family and I lived in a room in Siobhan's house for a summer <laughs> when our kids were very young. So, so, so yeah. And that's when she was uh, pioneering Marigold brand, which was the first sun raised um, like outdoor grow uh, commercial brand at the first dispensary in California ever opened um, piece of medicine. And so, so yeah, no, um, because of my wife's cancer, because of my Crohn's, um, we, we've known so many people helped by, and we've, and, and I mean, I've written about it in my book. Um, my wife had a growth in her jaw and a doctor was like, well, if it's pushing the bottom teeth, it's non-cancerous. If it's destroying the roots of your teeth, it's cancerous. It's destroying the roots of your teeth. And I was like, so the cancer is like, we, I can't say that. We had the biopsy at first. And when I get the lab results, I can say that. But he was like telling us outright. And I was right. like, well, we're not biopsying because we'll release it. Exactly. Encapsulated toxin that you are going to go ahead and make a slice in and de-encapsulate. Jackass. But my friend, <laughs> but my, friend my sweet wife said she was going to go get the biopsy. And it Oof, freaked me out that I knew because I knew what it would do. And it's in her jaw and her bone. And so I was like, no, 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 sweetie. And she, and we, we argued a lot. She was like, you're not a doctor. How do you know? You know? And so like, I wrote this book on Stample Enthusiasm because I figured out I had to change my attitude. I couldn't be like forceful. I had to resonate like on a different level. And so I had to like, let go of, the pain I was experiencing as the husband mm -hmm. and I, I had to um, resonate with enthusiasm, God within, right. Um, in Theos. Yeah. Um, and that's like, whatever makes you feel alive. That's how I define it. And so, and so um, we did, Sorry. It's okay. We did we did DMSO dimethyl sulfide oxide, um, which yep. is released by um, uh, seaweed and I paper. believe microalgae into the air. The paper making process, and it passes through the bone. I mean, it passes through the the skin and muscle, so we can reach the bone. Sorry, and because it was already so opened up, I reasoned that if it touched the bone, it'd be good enough. And, mm -hmm. and so what we did was we used DMSO with Rick Simpson oil and yep. oxygen, oxygen liniment. So um, do you know, like you definitely know, I mean, we were just talking about it. When I was, when I got, got um, well, which to this one, or I think it was this one removed. Um, when I had that pulled out, um, instead of doing antibiotics and stuff, they injected oxygen, um, like right, the uh, ozone right into my jaw right then. Yeah. And so like oxygen and, and, and all these yeah. And so we, we alternated between the liniment, the oxygen liniment and 
and the Rick Simpson oil. And what I figured out afterwards, what we were doing was we were riding up and down the redox. So what I was doing was oxidizing. I was liberating electrons off of everything. And then by adding the Rick Simpson oil, we were adding, we were reducing, adding electrons onto everything. And this process of going back and forth shrunk the growth down from um, like, uh, her jaw was swollen and it wasn't the size of a golf ball, but it was the size of a jawbreaker. And it got down to the size of a pea. And so the biopsy guy that he wouldn't biopsy it because it was so small. And, and he was like, it's, it, it's, it's, it's getting better. It's going to go away. You don't need to worry about this. And, but she, she still went. So, so she, I was just super lucky <laughs> that she trusted me. And, yeah. and you know, I was really lucky too that I had two doctors that backed me up. I had two doctors that backed me up. And, and so it works. It's really incredible. Um, and so I've have, I've always had a really deep faith and gratitude for the cannabis plant and its community it helped me out in key moments in my life. And it's a plant medicine that I believe that like should be an open modality everywhere. Um, and, and it should not be allowed to be commercialized like, uh, like big tobacco or something. I mean, we should really make sure that what happened in allowed, forced happen. is the actual word forced where yeah. they are just mowing out all the mom and pops. You've seen the abatements, right? Oh, so, 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 so they, if they basically used legalization to recriminalize it in a very, mm-hmm. um, 100%. Way. And, more rage yeah. after it became legal than there was before it was illegal because there was only so much money to give the police department for these raids where now because it's legal the money comes from the EPA the whatever other slush agency they can slush the money from and then they bring the cops with oh you're causing problems in the water table but the giant grow up top using real chemicals he's fine yeah, it's like that ESG thing where Exxon Mobil is one of the best green companies in the world, according to the WF. It's like, yeah, you guys are evil. Like, you guys are literally smashing everything. It's like a BlackRock and Aladdin buying up all. There's so many rampaging. I mean, I said like 20 years ago that these companies were going to turn into The factionalized warring parties uh, that uh, overtake China. I can't remember the name for it right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me take some oxygen in. Oh, Oh, you're all right, brother. We're actually about uh, at the end of it here. Well, not the end of the show, but we split at the first hour and uh, go to after the first hour and take a little pee break and stuff because, you know, we're I'm an old man. We pee a lot. And uh, uh, in the second hour, we just go to Rockfin. So we'll have a break uh, coming up right here. You want to give everybody your information and where to find your work and sign up under you and anything else they want to do because um, the community is going to be absolutely fascinated with you. And there's so much of your work that parallels that you're just going to 
freak people out and and say you know don't weird out about space he's not in our community guys come on um <laughs> but uh yeah uh so uh yeah we're in a very questioning community and uh, uh but uh you yeah, tell anybody we're in are you guys yes, watching highly yeah yeah what about diamond <laughs> oppenheimer but ranch that- magnetic reversal oh that, that that's uh just depending on who you're talking to myself i uh, i do this i'm an alchemist and so mm-hmm. and i was going to bring that up with you in the second hour especially where you're talking about rick simpson oil and uh rick simpson oil being uh part of the reason that it works as opposed to uh like dabs where that's just a purified extraction of the essential oil um the rick simpson oil is really kind of a dirty extraction and so what's going on is the salts are still inside of the the uh, final product. And the salts is where your punch is coming from. The oil opens up the salts. The oil's opening up the different uh, receptors, things like that. The salt's what's creating the structure and the punch in the deal. So as an alchemist, what you do is you fully separate these things and you purify them and put them back together in the alchemical marriage. And that's where like the philosopher's stone is like with cannabis. And I talk about this a lot in shows, the cannabis stone would be taking and pulling out a pure extraction and purifying that fully. But then through that, adding the salt back in and marrying the two and what it does then is it solidifies that and structures it and it's it works entirely different you're going to get better results even than you get out of the rick simpson oil um but is that a product already no this is a i i will explain it to you uh in the second hour uh it's just a way of processing and the way of making your medicine but please okay. get you guys my wife just pulled up, so it's perfect timing too. Um, the dogs are about to lose their nut, and the goats are running around screaming. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the and and Brian just asked me if they if we should let. So this morning, I let my milk cows out because the a bunch of the neighbors said, "Hey, our places are overgrown. Can you just let your cows run?" Like, mm. yep, we can do that. <laughs> you know. So I opened the gate this morning, and now they're back at the gate. So. <laughs> let us back home we live that's, here that's good that's good though they came home you bet. <laughs> yeah, that one, it's almost uh it, she gets milked at seven so it's you know we're only about two hours for milking time so she gotta get close to the house you know um yeah <laughs> so, so much different when it's not commercialized but yeah please give out your information uh, and we're at shadow where everybody can find you and uh before we say goodbye to the youtube crowd all right. Well, everyone, thank you for watching. I really appreciate you checking this out, hanging out with us. I am Matt Powers. So if you go to Kickstarter, type my name in Matt Powers, you'll find my most recent project. It's my seventh Kickstarter. It's Regenerative Soil Microscopy, the book, the course, and the R Soil database, which is going to revolutionize all of soil, all of farming, all of food, and change our, fu- our future of our environment fundamentally. In such positive ways. I mean, it's it's gonna ha- it's gonna really honor the people doing the right thing, which I believe if we can create systems like this, is gonna change everything. Especially if we, yeah, yeah, because it just creates this like magnetism to doing the right thing. Yeah. So this is the 
this is my that actually is the Kickstarter for this. So this is what uh, uh, that's my my last Kickstarter. That's for regenerative soil. This is the what we're kickstarting right now is the second book in the series, regenerative soil microscopy, and the third book is regenerative soil DNA. I'm sure you guys from our conversation can imagine how fun that's going to be too. So this is this is this is like my pride and joy. This is like my literary baby. Um, I, I've been working on on this process of writing for forty, like you know, some years. And well, 30 some years, <laughs> I just turned 40. But like, this has been a process that I've learned in the yeah, garden right? that I've learned through Elaine Ingham, that I've been working through permaculture, refining closer and closer to. And now I've come to this point where I'm at this vista and I see this horizon. And the only way that we can get to that other side is together as a community. And so the database is really the only way that we can do that. And making it public, we allow everyone to participate and everyone to also have access. It, 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 and it's going to be the model, I believe, for so many things. So, it, it, and it combines all the different soil camps and has them all under one house. So the biology, the mineral, the paramagnetic, all of it. And so whether... Moon cycle has an effect. We're going to be able to see it because people are going to have the time and place of the acquisition, the time of year. We're going to be able to actually map these subtle things out that we couldn't see from another vantage point. And we're going to be able to correlate it to living soils because this university tests all the published literature for the most part. It's with crap soil, just awful soil. And I mean, think about it. If it's a university doing it, who's managing that field? Undergrads and grad students. Are they like gifted farmers? No, they're students. So it's like all these studies, you got to like take some like <laughs> some salt and apply it to that. And that's why like we need to create a new way of doing things, a way that opens the door, that allows us to communicate and to iterate so that you can have your test be up there. But as time goes by, other people in your bioregion are adding their tests too. So your original test gains more insight as it contrasts against others. It's gonna change how information is treated. It's gonna change how we select, you know what I mean? Our food from our local farmer's market, which compost we'll buy to inoculate our home compost. Be like, man, look at the biology on wormies. I have to have some of that to add into mine, right? So check it out. It's on Kickstarter right now, Regenerative Soil Microscopy and the R-Soil Database. There's a lot of different options. And if you just want to check out my own work, YouTube, there's over 500 videos that I've done. I put my entire 400 plus page, fully peer reviewed, fully cited Permaculture Student 2 book on there for free as an audiobook. So... So I really, I really want us all to be able to get to the point where we can speak fluently about this, because at that point, we all have the equipment, we all have the tools to really add to the conversation, and then everything's going to change. It, it's not this pyramidic top-down thing any longer. That kind of way of working with information creates huge blind spots. I mean, oh my word. 
huge yeah. blind spots in the past 10 years. I mean, like the fact that rhizophagy, you know what I mean, exists, that plant roots eat microbes, like that's the primary mechanism of compost, tea and extract, boom, like done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Long-term composting so that you have non-oxidized, you know, compost. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's Still like, boom. Okay. So many of these things that were like shockingly revelatory came out of testing, came out of all of us doing it and being like, that's BS. I don't know what they're talking about, but this is what I see in my, and all the cultivators being like, you're right. That's what we need. And, and, and that's what's happening. And I, I, that gives me hope as a dad, as a human being, you know, I, and as, as a husband and like, like thinking about our future and our health and everything, it's like, like, we've got this, we have the solutions, we have the power, we've got the tools. And it's just about putting these pieces together and, and, and allowing each other to, to, to be empowered. And I think if, everything's if all, <laughs> no, lab, no lab could make a sample size, the size of an entire community doing it. You all, all we're doing is expanding the sample size and expanding the understanding. And because the sample size is expanded, we can take out those little nuances and under have understandings. It, it, it's freaking beautiful, brother. Just ah, beautiful. Um, we can't thank you enough for coming in. This is the end of the uh, YouTube hour. Uh, as always, come on over to Rockfin and you can uh, watch the show for free. Just click on the link if you want to uh, come in and enjoy and uh, join the conversation. Then you just have to fill out a uh, uh, thing just like on YouTube and uh, start a, a profile just like YouTube and you can do that. If you want to... Uh, Pay $9.99 to get the premium content from guys like uh, Eddie Bravo and uh, Sam Tripoli and uh, all those guys. Well, then you get uh, everybody's content for the $9.99 a month. So you get access to all the different creators uh, and all their premium packages. I don't put anything on there, but I definitely appreciate it when you guys do sign up under me. Um, can't, can't tell you guys how much I appreciate it. And can't tell you, Matt, how much I appreciate you coming in. Uh, this is going to blow people's minds. Um, and we'll get into a little bit of alchemy uh, after uh, the second hour or in the second hour. And I can uh, tell you as above, so below, how very important I think the understandings that people can garner from the plant world and understand that we are also part of this world as above, so below those things will apply to us in a greater understanding when you start carrying the mechanics of it up. So with that, love you guys. Thank you all. <laughs>